This time on episode 431 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to discuss the Ms. Marvel Disney Plus Season 1 Episode 3, Destin. We're also going to talk some weekly Marvel Studio news, including how a former Marvel lawyer explains what can happen when a star spoils the movie, aka Tom Holland, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 casting announcement, as well as Marvel is now developing a new series for Disney Plus called Wonder Man. I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for a scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. And I'm producer of this show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by the Kevin Feige-run Marvel Studios. This show is recorded on Wednesday, special night, June 22nd, 2022, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast Wide. and come and join our live chat as we record. And if you didn't already catch it, we love talking about Marvel. Because of awesome cover bands. If you'd like to talk to us about awesome cover bands, why don't you go check out our website at legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail describing your favorite cover band by calling 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871. If you have somehow found a recording of an, a very horrible cover song by a band called Bozo the Space Monkey, definitely do not tag us on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I will know and I will really worry about how you found it. You can watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash geek. If you want to ask me where that even came from, why don't you go hit us up on Discord, which you can find us at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. All right, you two, we need to talk about the intro from now on to make sure that everybody's on the same page as we go forward as far as what is a good cover band. What do you mean by that? Like a name of a good cover band or just the qualities of a good cover band? I think it'd go hand in hand, personally. I mean, I think we had one of the best in this episode, Brown Jovi. That was, I loved it. And I was right because Living on a Prayer played in this episode. It wasn't by Bon Jovi, but it was by the Brown Jovi cover band. Well, when the fight started, it was actually Bon Jovi, but they didn't continue the song. Right. Anyway, we are going to be talking, obviously, about Ms. Marvel. We were talking about it already. But before we start, I want to say that we have had a Agent Lauren sighting. She is getting close to be able to return to the podcast. Just want to get that out to everybody. And we send our well wishes to her. Meantime, we had a great time watching this episode. We had such a great time that we moved our recording up one day to talk about it. And here we are going to discuss it. Ms. Marvel episode three premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, today, June 22nd, 2022. The episode was titled Destined, which to me looks like Destinied, but I know it's Destined. The IMDb description reads, ahead of Amir's wedding, Kamala may face grave consequences due to a crucial decision she makes. Chris, who directed this episode? This episode was directed by Mira Menon, who has 26 directing credits starting in 2009. An episode of Snowfall, an episode of Fear the Walking Dead, Glow, The Man in the High Castle, Titans, The Punisher, The Walking Dead, a couple episodes of Outlander, The Magicians, and two episodes of Miss Marvel. I think Mira did a fantastic job, and we'll talk about that when we talk about the episode. Michelle? Where did this episode come from in terms of writing? 
We have a trio involved. The story and teleplay, we have Freddie Cyborn has 26 writing credits starting in 2010, including eight Bad Education, six Bounty Hunters, one Killing Eve, six Ragdoll, and this episode of Miss Marvel. Then we have the teleplay done by two people. The first one, A.C. Bradley, has six writing credits starting in 2005, including 20 episodes of Troll Hunters Tales of Arcadia as doing the teleplay. And then we have three below Tales of Arcadia, six as the teleplay, and six credits for Story By, five episodes of What If, and three Miss Marvel with the credit of teleplay. The other person responsible for the teleplay is Matthew Chauncey, has four writing credits starting in 2018. For three below, Tales of Arcadia, 26 episodes as a staff writer, eight story by, and eight teleplay. We have five episodes of What If, and three episodes of Miss Marvel with the teleplay. So something tells me that Bradley and Chauncey have worked together for some time. As a matter of fact, we covered. Both of them, when we were talking about What If, AC Bradley was a showrunner for What If and is currently working on season two. And we would love to have her on the show for sure. And I was, when I saw her name pop up, I was like, cool. If you follow her Twitter feed, she's been talking about the episode. So spoilers, but she's been having fun talking about the episode over there on her Twitter account. By the way, the showrunner for this show is Bisha K. Ali. All right. We have a, an exclusive here on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We talk about it every time there is a new episode. We write a synopsis so we don't have to go play-by-play play in our discussion. And they just keep on getting better every week because, quite frankly, Chris and I don't have anything to do with it. That means that Michelle is the genius behind it, at least for this episode. So let's just dive right into it. Chris, why don't you start us off? It's backstory time. We start with a flashback to British-occupied India in 1942. Aisha, Adam, Najima, Faria, and Salim are looking for the bangle. Aisha says they need two bangles. The British attack. Aisha puts on the bangle and gets separated from the others. We return to the present, and now it's origin time. Aisha, Adam, Najma, Faria, and Salim are from Noor, which is another dimension. They are exiles who have been on Earth for about a hundred years, and Adam, Najma, Farah, and Salim have been looking for Aisha since 1942. Because of their nature, they look really good for century-old beings. Cameron is 17. They sense Kamala because the Bengal activated her Noor energy. Kamala has to finish what Aisha started, which is returning them to their home dimension. It's now name time. Aisha, Adam, Najima, Farha, and Salim are clandestines. That's what they're called. On Earth, they have been called many things. Anabi, Madnoon, and Unseen. But they are most commonly known as Jin, the beans Kamala was afraid of as a child. Kamala fills Bruno in. Kamala needs his help figuring out how interdimensional travel works. Bruno remembers a paper by Dr. Eric Selvig, so Kamala delegates the research job to Bruno. With the knowledge learned from Law and Order, Nakia successfully prevents damage control agents from searching the mosque. Nakia becomes a member of the board. Kamala tries to tell Nakia the truth, but Nakia complains about the situation, shutting Kamala down. At the Mendy, we learn Kamala has a large family, but a member is missing. Sana did not attend her daughter's wedding, so Muniba is not surprised her mother didn't come for her grandson's wedding. They start to talk about Nightlight. Muniba says Nightlight's mother should be ashamed of herself. Bruno makes Kamala a mask. Yusuf finds Bruno's research and translates the information about the djinn, including information about a group of them who were secretive and trapped on Earth. Only a primordial power can get them home. Kamala learns that if she helps the group go home, things might go boom. After an amazing dance number at the reception, Kamala learns from Cameron that Najma and the others plan to crash the reception because of her hesitation to help. During a performance from Brown Jovi, Kamala pulls the fire alarm to get everyone to safety. 
It's fight time! The clandestines attack Kamala. Kamala uses her powers and she finally manifests the fists that we've been hoping to see that are iconic for her character in the comics. Bruno and Cameron join the fight to help. Najma grabs the bangle and both see a vision of an approaching train. Damning control agents appear and arrest everyone but Bruno and Kamala. Kamala can't explain what has been happening to Nakia and her parents. Going to bed, Kamala gets a call from Sana, who tells her that she and Muniba have to come to Karachi because Sana also saw the vision of the train. Wow, that was a great synopsis, Michelle. That's why it's a Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. exclusive. Come for the Michelle, stay for the exclusive synopsis. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did. Now let's talk about our first thoughts of the episode. Michelle, what'd you think? The exposition doesn't get in the way of character development or the complexities of family relationships. This entire thing is about family and Kamala learning how she could be a good person and what being a good person means. And I just love that. I called it. I called it. SB was right. We got background check. We got origin check. We got more mystery check. It's a fun series. I definitely enjoy watching this, even though it's not made for me. I'm over 50. This series is not made for me, but I'm enjoying watching it for a lot of reasons. And we'll get into talking about that. One of the things that I just loved is the fact that they're not explaining the culture to us. They're just showing us how fun it is, the intricacies of it, and what goes on with it, including the wedding. That was just fun. The wedding, the vows, how they had to say I do three times, and then the dance. Oh, Michelle, it was so fun, wasn't it? Indeed. We got this Mindy. Are we, you know, is it like explained in detail? It is. No, we just go in. There's a bunch of family. I like how Kamala says we're Pakistani. We roll deep. Which means it reminds me of when I would go visit my cousins. The cousins on my mom's side, their mom's side, there's like her grandmother gave birth to like 10 kids. And then there's all these type of things. Whenever I was over there, it was just like, uh, what do I call you? Call me grandma. You call me aunt, uncle. Just everybody was related, even if you weren't. So I really understand the whole, there's a big family. We're just all related to deal with it. And then we get this wedding ceremony. It's the first time I've seen a wedding ceremony like that. I do understand the three. I have heard about, you know, being asked the questions three times, but I didn't realize it was also in the wedding. And then the reception with the surprise Bollywood-esque dance. That's the best. It puts all of the wedding receptions I've been to. We do like the chicken dance or something. That is just. That puts all the wedding receptions I've been to the shame. Chris, we need to start something. You know the movie Wedding Crashers? Did you ever see that? It's been a very long time, but I have seen it. So you and I need to be the new Wedding Crashers. And in our version of the Wedding Crashers, we're going to go around and steal the groom's shoes. Not just the pair he's supposed to be wearing, but all of his shoes. I am 1000% for that, especially if we try to get them directly off his feet. Well, of course, we'll just say, you know, liquor the guy up and just take his shoes. I think, I think we got this handled. I mean, it's many different ways. It's going to be fun. Chris, what'd you like about the wedding? The entire wedding was just a ton of fun. As Michelle said, I love that they're not explaining things to us. We're just getting to learn by observation, especially because Bruno could be such an easy person to explain things through. I love that they're not doing that. but. Mostly, I just love that they're showing the good fun side of everybody. Everybody is having a ton of fun at this thing. It's just a constant shot of this is people getting ready for the wedding like it's a normal thing for them because it is a normal thing for them the way that they do it. I do wish I knew what they were eating, though, because that is something that I get curious about looking at different cultures. They probably didn't want to mess with the food budget on that because food gets fun when you're trying to film it because you have to worry about people picking up the food while you're filming and making continuity errors with your shots. 
One thing that I really loved with this episode is that the dad, Kamala's dad, and the, I don't know what to call it, I'm sorry, but the minister, the guy that's ahead of the mosque, they have some of the best lines, some of the best scenes in this whole thing with Kamala with her brother, just giving them just advice and the dad's having fun, you know, going to Bruno at the convenience store, getting his little apple pie because he's taking it from his wife and stuff like that. But they have some of the best scenes in here in an episode that's just full of fun scenes. I just want to call out those two characters and the actors. They did an amazing job with this at the wedding, before the wedding, getting ready for the wedding. One of the most heartful moments I saw was the dad talking to his son. And the son's like, I only have $734 in my checking account. I'm like, 700. You have, wow. That's like a feast for me right now. You had $734 in your checking account. That's amazing you're doing good <laughs> to have that and the father was like yeah don't worry about it you really love the people that you're with that's what you're supposed to be there so some amazing advice given in the show from really well written and executed characters i enjoyed it the moment with her mom i know we talk about the dad and the inclusion of family I'm close with my mom. The talk about whatever mountain you're facing, you don't have to face it alone. And the response of reality versus expectation. I've been there. You think something is going to great happen. You think moving here is going to solve a lot of problems. Kamala's like, I got this bangle. I got superpowers, but it's causing all these problems. The mom's story about coming over to America and being disillusioned and having your own mountains to climb. I thought that was powerful. Unfortunately, I feel for Kamala because she's hearing these great messages, especially from her religious leader. Good is not something you are. Good is something you do. And then around her, some of the people who care about her are saying that this superhero that's around, you know, her mother should be ashamed. She's causing all these problems. And I can understand the struggle she's having between I'm loved and supported, but the same people who told me this are also having problems with the nightlight situation. There was a great tweet today on Twitter. Somebody posted, a collage of dialogue and scenes that started out with yes actually america was my mountain your father and i dreamed so much of coming here and when we finally came it was so hard he worked very long hours for very little money and amir was barely out of diapers my english was not so good i'll tell you i've never felt so alone in my whole life so somebody tweeted that and then ac bradley chimed in and she said i wrote the scene for my mom she came to america for a better life gave me a great one and now this is my thank you to her oh because we weren't tearing up enough when we heard that the first time i know it's great so we retreated that as the legends of shield twitter account so you can go to our twitter account if you're not following ac bradley by the way her twitter account is at the ash bradley i highly recommend going ahead and giving her a follow. She is well worth it. So one of the things that we wanted to talk about, though, was how this episode intertwined the origin story of what this was all about. They did it well. It was in very different facets. So we go back, we get the flashback to 1942. Then we go forward and we get the clandestines and we kind of get their backstory with Kamala and we get Kamala and Cameron's relationship and the fact that they're 17, so there's nothing really weird going on there. But the fact that the clandestines were exiled, they just want to go home. We got the whole train thing coming in and the fact of where the bangle came from. I mean, this was, there are lots of questions still left, but this was an amazing collage of an origin story and explanation. And it still leaves me wanting more. Marvel, this is excellent storytelling. I love it. And please give me more. The thing that I'm liking the most about this story right now is that a lot of times the first group of people that your main character meets here are by default good guys. 
and they're who we're supposed to help out. And there's really no reason for that besides the fact that they were met first. But the clandestine, when you're seeing this origin story back in 1942, there isn't really anything that jumped out to me and said they're supposed to be the bad guys, the ones we're rooting against or anything. It's just people trying to find the bagel. And then when you get to current time, for a while, again, there isn't really anything that's making me think that they're going to twist this on its head. And then once it does get twisted, holy crap, that is where I went from really loving the series to really loving this series. Because I don't feel like I can predict what's going on anymore. Who is the bad guy? Okay, obviously, Najima going after Kamala, a 16-year-old girl, because they want to go home. That is twisted and obviously a, a villain-esque move. Where is Aisha? Because if her friends look this good, does she look this good? So many questions. Is this dimension a dimension that is explored in What If or Doctor Strange? Is this a dimension that maybe we've heard of, but the Nor are called something else and they're eternal related? Who knows? This is fascinating. We thought we were, they were going to try to introduce the inhuman part because in the comics, she's inhuman. But no, let's just make her an interdimensional being that's related to a jinn. Why not? Why were the clandestines exiled? Are they the bad guys? I have a hunch that they're not bad guys. I think they're good guys and they're just doing extraordinary things to get home. That's just my guess, but who knows? I'm okay either way, but that's just where I'm leaning because they're trying to tell us that they're bad. I think they're actually good, but I don't know why they were exiled. I mean, what they, were they doing here? Why were there two bangles? What happened with the second bangle? Are we ever going to see the second bangle? Why do they think they were betrayed? Because they think Aisha betrayed them. And in the train, did Aisha actually make it either partway or all the way back to the dimension? And maybe that's why they think that she's betrayed. I don't know the answers to any of this. There's just wide open questions about what might happen. As Chris said, there is no construct in the comic. We're off story here, which is great. I love it because it means we don't have any idea what's coming. And it means it's just fun story to listen to and watch. And this is how you do it. You answer questions, but then you raise more. We get a lot of questions that we had. Where does the power come from? You know, what's the origin of this? And it gives us this, but then we get more questions in a good way. You need to answer some questions, but then bring more. So we want to watch more. The second time I watched it, so I watched this episode twice. And the second time I watched it, I actually freeze the frame as the train is coming forward. And I don't know if you guys saw it or not. It's really quick. But the name of the city that or town that the grandmother tells them to go to, Karachi, it's on the front of the train. They're going to wherever this Karachi is in this train. And I don't know if this is like a back to the future thing where they're stuck in between dimensions or something like that. But yeah, it's great that they're handing this to us. It's, just, it's fun. I like it. And I love Kamala's fight moves in the fight. She's not trained to fight. She's just been trying to train on how to use her powers. And as we said before, that she's using her fists for the first time in actually a fight move. But in the initial parts of the fight, it reminded me so much of Tony Stark in the Mark II suit, just like using the repulsors, just trying to just survive in a fight. And that's what she was doing with the shields and throwing stuff out and, and stuff like that. It just reminded me so much of Iron Man. So the nostalgia feel is there for me, even though she's not in a suit, she's using powers that are from some dimension. I have no idea if it's magic or whatever. It's not the mechanical suit that Tony Stark has, but it just reminded me so much of it. It brought that nostalgia back to me too. And then she gets to get the upper hand. And then these guys are arrested by damage control and she's not. Why did damage control not arrest Bruno and Kamala? Everybody around there should have been arrested. 
I don't think they see them. Well, they're in the area because they're searching for nightlight, right? So they knew that there was some sort of disturbance because Kamala pulled the fire alarm. So they went to where that disturbance was. Honestly, I think damage control came in there, saw about what they expected to see in who was causing damage and just focused on them so much that Kamala and Bruno were able to sneak out. Maybe. It didn't seem like that to me, but I can, I can in real life, I could see that because, you know, if the cops come in and bust a party that if you're lucky enough to run away and you run away from the cops, yeah, they're not going to come back and catch you. But nowadays with body cams and stuff like that, they can at least identify you. So I don't know if that's realistic or not, because damage control, in my opinion, should probably have some body cams on them. Who knows? Maybe it's budget. <laughs> Maybe. Man, there's just. So much good stuff here. Brown Jovi. Loved it. We talked about it before. Just loved it. Want to double tap the dance scene. I would love to be able to party like that, right? To learn how to dance like that and just have fun because they all seem to, I don't think, I don't know if it's like every wedding has this dance or not. I don't think so, but they were just having fun with it. It seems they said it was like a something special. So it seems like though it was choreographed. And the fiance, by the way, just came alive. Like before she was like the skeptical fiance, we didn't see too much of her. She really came alive at the wedding. She just was having fun, had a personality to her. And you got to know her just through the actions of the wedding and her responses to the I do question, right? And that's the limit there. She's not really a main character, but you got, you get to know these characters. They come alive. It's well written. It's well executed. Kudos. This is. Probably, I hate to say it, but it's probably my favorite Disney Plus series so far. I mean, there were others that were great, but I really enjoyed WandaVision because I really could identify with all those TV shows. But this one is just amazing. Me Now we're, what, halfway through? So who knows what the second half is going to look like, but it's been fun so far. I would like to note that Michelle has not complained about the first three episodes. I know. I was mentioning that before about how... I hope that Disney Plus was going to break from their mold that they had. I think What If was outside of that mold too, but they broke from that mold and it wasn't like episode two, we have to do this. Episode three, we have to do this. It's just been wide open and it's just been a fun ride. And I guess the thing that I'm worried about now is sticking the landing because we know Miss Marvel is going to come back in the Marvels with Captain Marvel. We know that's going to happen. So I just hope they stick it well enough to make me want to see more in the Marvels. We'll probably get the resolution with the Nord dimension. And if she gets the second bangle. And if so, how does that change her? I'm really interested in that second bangle now. I really am. Because what, what happened to it? Where is it going to be? And part of me was like, maybe they're going to do some sort of connection with the Eternals where... The Black Knight, is that his name? Excuse me, I'm forgetting. You know nothing, Jon Snow, his character? Yes, Black Knight. Black Knight. So maybe Black Knight has in a museum and he notices what's going on and he shows up with it and said, hey, I think you know you could use this or something like that. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think Brie Larson is going to at least make some sort of appearance in name, if not actually on the screen. I think we're going to get that. So, I, whew. And I've been reading the Marvel comics, by the way, the Marvel's comic run that's going on right now, because I don't know anything about the history of the Marvel's or anything like that. Apparently, I think there was another comic run at one point in time. Anyway, it's not what I expected. I don't think it has anything to do with the movie, but I've been enjoying that story so far, too, in the comic books. It's current run right now in Marvel comics. But I'm interested in see what the movie is, too. So, yeah, just lots of as you can tell, I'm excited. SP is very excited about what's going on here. And especially since we do have an in on the Inhumans and Dr. Strange, full disclosure, none of the three of us have actually watched Dr. Strange 2 at this point in time. I have watched the first five minutes, which is nothing to say about what happens in the rest of the movie, but who knows what that has in it and how that is going to work with the Inhumans because I've heard that there is some sort of inhuman connection there. So is Kamala going to be, is the Nord dimension where we get the Inhumans from? I don't know. So fun. Chris, you got anything else to say about the episode here? 
I think this is just a wonderful way of showing how you can take a comic story or really source material at all. And the problem that comes about when you take a well-known story like this is you've got people who want to see that story told exactly as it is in the source material. And you've also got people who like think, why would they want to go watch the movie or the TV series or anything when they can just read the book? So I think this Miss Marvel show is a wonderful way of getting people hooked in the beginning and saying, okay, everybody who wants to see the certain storyline, this is what you get. Like you're watching it, you're good. And then it just completely flips everything around. And I was hooked on the beginning because I thought we were doing the G Willow Wilson run. I would have bet a, at least $700 on it. And now I have absolutely no problem with the fact that we're not doing that. It's been a fun ride. Michelle, final thoughts. This series has surprised me. I am enjoying it. I look forward to it on Wednesday. These are WandaVision, no solid episodes. Ever since then, I have been complaining about nothing really happening. Where is this going in the first three episodes? And I haven't done that. I just realized during this podcast that I have not complained at all about any of the episodes. This is a first. Congratulations, Ms. Marvel. And we know it's connected to the MCU because Captain Marvel has been mentioned several times. So in AvengerCon, so we know it's connected. Also, to jump back a little bit, some quick Googling shows me that the leader of the mosque, I'm going to butcher this, but is called an imam. That's I-M-A-M. Okay. Oh, and we didn't even talk about but Nakia is now on the board. So that's really cool. She's a governor or whatever they call it now. So she was happy about that. And I don't know if it was because of her actions, because the votes were still being counted because she could have won outright, but her actions with damage control were pretty cool. I mean, she saved the mosque from humiliation, in my opinion, just by watching Law and Order. I mean, that's something that every kid should do in America these days. <laughs> I'm joking. But do you think they had SVU in the Marvel Universe? And if so, do they think that that actor looks a lot like Kingpin? Denton. What a nod. I was thinking that too. The law, if the Law and Order Universe is there, yeah. He bulked up for that role. And of course, he's wearing a fat suit, but he did bulk up a little bit. Maybe he's not so recognizable. I don't know. Anyway, next time we're going to come back at you with a special episode. We're going to be covering finally Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to do it at 1 p.m. Saturday, 25 June. So if you're watching this live or the live feed a little bit later, I'm not sure if I will get this episode published before then or not, but we're really hoping that you can get us your thoughts on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness because we are covering it just in a few days, and I am looking forward to that. In the meantime, we have some very interesting Marvel Studio news to talk about. We have talked about Marvel snipers before. And now we've learned the legal reasons there are Marvel snipers. A former Marvel lawyer explained what could happen when a star spoils a movie. On Reddit, Paul Sarker decided to answer some questions from MCU fans about how the legal side of things functions. One fan asked about NDAs and their stipulations. To this question, Sarker delivered the most extensive answer about how these agreements are drawn up and executed. And it's a fascinating read. His answer, quote, the NDAs are helpful and they frame the discussion if there is ever a dispute, but the relationship is also important. Leaking something would burn a bridge and be a deal breaker. Plus everything is watermarked so they would be able to trace it to someone. And more importantly, why would you want to eliminate your chance of being in the MCU or television canon? Once someone is cast and under contract, they may be able to disclose their role, but that would have to be coordinated with marketing and creative. There is an overall master plan behind all that stuff. 
If you breach a contract, in addition to being sued, they could terminate it or withhold some pay. Marvel is very protective of confidentiality. They vet everyone and everything. Anyone coming to an office or getting a link to confidential information will have to sign an NDA. It's not just limited to talent. That doesn't surprise me at all. Marvel and Disney have teamed up. Disney has notoriously been lawyering up, going after people for things. Not necessarily the same kind of stuff here, but you do have the legal experience of Disney now teamed up with Marvel. And even looking on the comic side of things, there are a lot of things that I have been told when I interview people that they wish they could tell me, but they want to be absolutely sure that nothing gets out or they will basically be done writing things at Marvel. Like I have gotten review copies that have a horrible review copy watermark all over the page to the point where it is impossible to get any kind of image out of it, which I completely understand, but it really sucks when you're trying to write a comic review. And the fact that they would take that kind of seriousness over to the MCU side of things does not surprise me one bit. So Marvel Studios is part of the Disney Corporation, and so is ABC. It's part of the Disney umbrella of companies, right? I don't know, 15 years ago, whatever. For some reason, I was just enthralled with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette because I was like, how real is this? I mean, you get some weddings out of it, but some of the stuff that happened was, and this is before everything came out about reality television and the fact that it's produced and you had segments that were produced of course, uh, unscripted, I think it's called, but they're produced. I was curious about what was going on because it kept on ratcheting up season after season after season of more unbelievable, more unbelievable, more unbelievable. There was this guy called, and I guess he's still out there. I don't know. I don't follow him called reality. Steve. And I started messaging reality Steve because he was leaking some stuff. I was like, okay, you don't have to tell me what your sources are or anything like that, but why are they getting away with this? what is going on that they feel comfortable in talking to you about this? And he said, tell you what, I actually have some of these non-disclosure agreements. And he since posted some of the non-disclosure agreements online because he got the okay from the people that had signed them. And in court, some of them had been deemed to be non-enforceable. So that's why he, he posted them because the people that gave it to him was like, they can't do anything about it right here because this language is not enforceable. But the early NDAs for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette were ironclad, and they came with stiff penalties, like $50 million penalties, if you divulged what happened on the show, because they wanted to keep what happened behind the camera secret, because that's the magic, right? They want to make it seem like this is all real, and you know some of it is, because some of the people get married, but most of it is not. And the NDA, if you want to look at what a reality tv show nda looks like which might be applicable here i don't know i've not seen any marvel studios nda but if you want to see what language is in there you can go to reality steve's website and i think he's still got some of those ndas posted on there they're fascinating reads i'm not a lawyer but i'm just looking through that going wow i don't believe that this is enforceable but the way they're coming across they could ruin your life just by the actions that they would have to take to start to enforce this sort of thing So when it comes to the MCU, you're not exactly trying to ruin the magic behind the camera because everybody knows it's storytelling, right? But imagine if Endgame was spoiled for you before you went in. Now, Russo Brothers and Disney and Marvel Studios took pains of trying to say, okay, there's a two-week moratorium that you do not talk about this online at all. Give people a chance to watch it for the first time in the theater. Imagine if you were spoiled on that going in. Now, I don't know if you guys were spoiled on that or not, but at least there was an atmosphere that you didn't have to be spoiled. And if you get people out there, even main actors such as Tom Holland that are out there spoiling stuff, I don't necessarily know if I want to go into a theater and, and watch this sort of stuff. I mean, Doctor Strange is an example. I know some of what happens, but I don't know exactly what the story is. I've not read a detailed blow by blow plot. So I'm still interested in seeing this movie. But if I knew everything that would 
happened, I don't know if I would be as interested to it. So anyway, these NDAs are very interesting. And I think as time goes on, more information will come out about the NDAs just because they will over time. Some of these NDAs will expire or some of the people will pass away. So it'll be a contract that gets out there. I don't know. Michelle, any last thoughts on it? I'm just glad that we have a good explanation of what happens, especially when they talk about it's not just talent. There are production assistants, makeup artists, legal, accounting. There are a lot of people. If you've ever sat through, okay, it's Marvel. We sit through the credits because of the end scene. We see the hundreds of people who work on these movies. There's hundreds of NDAs that have to be done. It's interesting. Interesting indeed. Well, Michelle, we have some casting announcements. We have news about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Crazy Rich Asians and superstar actor Nico Santez is the latest name we can reveal to be in Marvel's recently wrapped Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. The Filipino-American actor Santos is best known for playing Oliver in Crazy Rich Asians and sales associate Mateo in the NBC series Superstore, for which he was nominated for Back-to-Back Critics' Choice Awards. Recent features for him include animation Wish Dragon and HBO animated series The Prince. So I'm happy for someone who was not only just in Crazy Rich Asians, but in Superstore, which got canceled, being able to make the leap into the MCU. I have seen neither of those shows, so I have no opinion about this one at all. That's formed by myself anyway. But everybody who I heard talking about this seems pretty excited about it. So just by virtue of that and knowing that the people that I'm friends with that said it are usually along the same lines as I am, I'm going to be tertiarily, I think that's the right word, excited about this wow did you guys hear that chris pratt is going to be in gardens of the galaxy 3 yay that's the first time i've seen it right there in writing the anticipated threequel will star chris pratt zoe zaldano vin diesel dave bautista bradley cooper sylvester stallone karen gillen yada 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 woohoo sounds like a great cast i might want to see this movie i mean you said karen gillen that's enough for me do you know her from doctor who or where um, the first things I saw her in, honestly, was this really horrible show that was on Hulu called Selfie. Oh, and then yes. I kind of branched out from there. First time I saw her was on Doctor Who, so I... Hmm. Doctor Who has its own interesting fandom, and you can be a fan of the show, but you might not be a fan of a companion. You might not be a fan of a doctor, but a fan of a, of a companion. So it's this whole thing. But Amy Pond was the character that she played, was an integral part in a trio of the doctor and another companion. So it's this whole integrated thing of whether you like her or not from the show. I enjoyed her. It was not my favorite companion or doctors that she was with, but. That's where I first knew her. And then when she came on Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm like, this girl can act. I'm glad she's there. So anyway, Chris, what do we got going on in Disney Plus? Well, over on the Disney Plus side of things, Marvel is developing a Wonder Man series with Destin Daniel Creighton and Andrew Guest. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings filmmaker Destin Daniel Creighton has teamed up with Andrew Guest, a writer, producer on comedies such as Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Community tackle a live-action series featuring the longtime Marvel character. Guest is going to serve as the head writer of the series, while Creighton will executive produce and possibly direct an episode or more. Creighton is working via his overall deal with Marvel Studios, which he signed late last year in the glow of Shang-Chi's success. Two will also act as co-creators for the series. Wonder Man, for anybody who doesn't know, is one of Marvel's oldest characters who was first introduced in 1964 way back in the pages of Avengers number 9. He was initially a villain and only appeared sporadically in the early Marvel Age, but was reconceived as a hero and an Avenger in the late 1970s. In the 1980s, he really came into his own, though, 
known as Simon Williams. He was a founding member of the Los Angeles-based West Coast Avengers, and with a look that included a turtleneck, a red jacket, and sunglasses, became a celebrity thanks to his day job as an actor and stuntman. I am definitely going to have to go look up some of these early comics, because this is a character that I've seen the name. I Basically, that's all I could tell you about it. And I really love these really old characters, though, because you get some really fun campiness in there, and then seeing how you get the more seriousness of the 80s and 90s, which is weird to say it, seriousness like that. But seeing that added onto the super campiness of early 60s comic characters gets really fun and really convoluted in some fun ways. I'm really just sitting here wondering who they can cast as Wonder Man, though, because you've got to have somebody who's going to have some fun with it. Yeah, of course. Right, Michelle? No. I know. Nathan Fillion's name has been bounced around. I don't really see it. My suggestion is out there. Maybe you'll agree with it. Maybe you'll just roll your eyes at it and go, what are you thinking? I think Hayden Christensen would be a good role. Would be a good fit. If you've been watching Obi-Wan, yeah. you see, if you've been watching Obi-Wan, You'll see it when you see that performance. Look, I use, a lot of people are like, what is the impact of a director on an actor's performance? No matter what you think about the prequels, that's not what this is about. You can see how a director molds a performance, whether you like it or you don't. And unfortunately, Hayden got the short end of the stick. He is a much better actor than that. Look at what George Lucas did to Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman is a much better actor than as portrayed in the prequels. I think we can all agree with this. That is the impact a director has on an actor's performance. And he just got the short, just like Jake Lloyd, Hayden deserves this shot. There's just, there are times at Obi-Wan where I could see it. You could see his charm. In Obi-Wan, he's allowed, there's an episode where you can see his charm. And yes, you can see some other things, but there's just a smile that he gives in this one particular Obi-Wan scene that I think would, if they go in the campy taking on Hollywood with a smile and a wink, I would like to give him a shot. I'm going to have to go watch Obi-Wan now because I haven't been just for a lack of time. And I want to see if I see in this what you're seeing in this. I'm definitely not arguing with you right now because I have no idea. But my entire hating Christian experience is Star Wars. And you're making me think that that is just a very bad sample size. Perhaps, or maybe he went out and got a, to be a better actor afterwards because of his performances. Because, yeah, he had money to do it. Maybe. I don't know. I would have very little desire to see that. But again, there's been stuff that I've had little desire to see. Ghostbusters. There's an example. So I'm a kid, right, back then. And my friends wanted to go see a movie. So they wanted to go see Ghostbusters. I'm like, okay, what's it about? And they're like, Hey, you know, it's about these guys that go around hunting ghosts. And I'm like, I am not a ghost fan. I don't like ghost hunters. I it just, it's not my thing of the spiritual world. Right. And I wanted to see it. I'm like, this is the best movie ever. So I n- had a different preconception there. So, okay. I do plan on watching Obi-Wan because everybody is now saying it's great, but it's not the first on my list because I have some other things to watch before that. But I do plan on eventually watching it. And when I watch it, I will keep that in mind. I will keep an open mind for Hayden Christensen's acting because I do recognize it could be better. Thank you. All right. So with that, Michelle, do you have any ideas what we could do right now? Because, you know, it's Wednesday night. We're not usually podcasting on Wednesday night. So what do you think we should do? 
Oh, we need to get our Bollywood dancing going on on our way out. Love that whole wedding dancing scene. It was really fun. By the way, if you like what I do for podcasting, you can come and listen to me on a new interim show. I call it an interim show because Better Podcasting is on hiatus. It is planned for Better Podcasting to return. However, right now, Better Podcasting is on a hiatus. And what I have been doing is I have been interviewing other podcasters along the lines of how they have approached hobby podcasting or independent podcasting or servicing independent podcasters or hobby podcasters. And that show is named Better Podcasting Chats with SP. And if you want to be a guest on that, you can catch me and my email at Stargate Pioneer. It's just Stargate Pioneer. It's not at Stargate Pioneer. Stargate Pioneer at gunnageek.com or you can DM me on Twitter or Discord. And with that, I want to say thank you very much, listener, for being there with us through this now amazing Miss Marvel 3 episodes. Really appreciate all your work. We did a surprise on you. We had to move our recording up a day, so we didn't have your one-word reviews. But I do anticipate, if you're listening to this, give us your one-word review for this episode and for the next episode. We'll talk about it on the next episode. Thank you for listening to us. We always appreciate you taking time out of your day to consume our product. You can find me on Twitter at shell underscore game. And if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to Play Comics, where as of this recording, the next episode is going to be talking to Joshua Adams about the Godfo universe, something that is coming out on Legacy Comics. And then an episode or two after that, we're going to get back into some regular episodes looking at X-Men Reign of Apocalypse with my friends over from Tencent Takes. And eventually we'll hear me on that show with SP. We got to get that thing all figured out. Yep, we'll have to schedule that at some point in time. But until next time where we're talking Doctor Strange, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. Bye, see y'all later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Have you watched Doctor Strange yet? No. Started it. That's all I got. <laughs> Have you been watching Obi-Wan? Unfortunately, no. I'm still stuck on Picard. Oh, okay. I heard the finale was pretty good, though. Oh, God. It was a brief moment, but I finally got what I wanted. Yeah, that's what everybody was saying. It's like the payoff was there for it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to... Lost in Space. I'm looking forward to Space Force Season 2, even though it's canceled. I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan. I'm looking forward to Strange, Strange Worlds. Worlds. Oh, God. So good. I might be able to watch some of the stuff on my iPad at night at the lake, but this is going to be so crowded that getting TV time is going to be problematic. Yeah. Everybody else is going to want to watch their shows and whatever, which I'm fine with, but I will have my iPad so, and my AirPod Pros, so I'll be able to tune everybody out. I think we got everything. I will test the soundboard because I know that's going to be a problem. Cameron. I heard that. Oh, I thought that was U2 for a minute. Like live U2. Cameron. Cameron. Yes. 
that is going to be the third best thing I do for this podcast right after the previously on videos and the upcoming Disney Plus news jingle with special nerd bonus Easter egg. So you guys see that wedding cake that was caught in the fight and it was just turned over and it just hit the ground. It was just flattened. Nobody got to eat the cake. That is just horrible. No cake. They didn't get to continue their dancing and their fun. I have no idea how long these celebrations last, but they were just having fun and it just got ruined. And not only did their reception get ruined, but there was another reception. And if you notice, there was another bride in and crying and you know they're just like you know, cry it's like i, I know i understand you you look so pretty it's like you look beautiful too it was it was just like it just wasn't kamala i understand you you pulled the you know it is a classic move to pull the fire alarm alarm to get everybody out but she technically ruined two receptions i think people <sighs> dying at your venue might ruin a reception too yeah, that's true. Yeah, the clandestines weren't taking any prisoners. I mean, they were pretty serious about getting... And I, who knows what pressures they were under. Again, if you put yourselves in their shoes, I don't know what their situation was other than the two scenes that we got. But it was a quick flip. I do agree with that. It was, was a quick flip, and the, they're going after this little girl. If you're in the multiverse, though, and you know that your universe is the one that should go, then is everybody else expendable? I mean, that's a what if, right? They should make a show about those situations. Yeah, maybe we should talk to AC Bradley about it. I bet we can make that happen. Hopefully, no weddings will be ruined next week. We'll talk to everybody later. Bye. 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 Well, that's cool that you have a, you're going to be able to do a three monitor thing. I have three monitors now, but the third monitor is way off in the corner and it's past the mixer and the audio rack, so I can barely see it. I got to kind of lean back in order to see it. It's useful just to park windows or to have something playing on in the background, like a video or something like that in the background. This new configuration is going to... So I received also the Roadcaster Pro 2. Oh. I took some pictures of the Roadcaster Pro right in front of my audio rack. To show the size difference. And the Rocaster Pro 2 is going to replace just about everything in there. There's one thing that I'm going to keep because it's the power switch, and I'll need it to still switch some power on some things. So, like the lights and the router and the modem. So, that's staying. It's going to be mounted underneath the riser that's right in front of me. I'm going to have all the monitors are going to be our risers. And I bought the risers mm -hmm. so that. I could mount a rack-mounted audio piece of gear underneath, and I bought a bracket to do that for the switch. And I will keep one DBX286 out in case I need that, but I think the Roadcaster Pro is just going to be fine. Wow. What are you looking at? Because I don't know what scent. I'm looking at, I guess, like the old mixer on top of the to is it a, just a picture yeah okay so that's my for you audio rack so there's actually four different devices in that audio rack yeah, it's about i don't know 10 inches tall or something like that and then that big old mixer on top is what i've been using for years and then that little device that's in front will replace all of that wow holy smokes so it's going to open up that part of the desk for monitors because I'll be able to, I've got a, a riser that I'll be able to put it underneath, but you know, looking at it, I don't even think I need a riser. I could just put it in front of the monitor, but I do want the monitors on risers because they're too low. And yeah. like you, I've had some posture issues. And when I thought about it, it's like, well, my podcast desk is probably a main contributor to all that. So let's fix it by elevating the monitors. I'm, like I said, have a huge monitor to go in the center. Yeah. Not the biggest, not the best, but it's definitely at least two steps up, if not three or four steps up from what I've got right now. And then those two monitors that are on my desk right now, once you get 
the bigger picture, they will then slide. One will go to the left, one will go to the right, and I'll have that big monitor in the, in the middle. And then the uh, Roadcaster Pro will go underneath the monitor on the right. The channel strip, which is the bottom uh, device in that audio rack, will go underneath the big monitor in the center. So it'll be easier for me to flip switches right there. And then if I need to keep a DBX286S, then that will go under the riser that's underneath the left monitor. But that will allow me to have more monitors, raise up the monitors, and be able to do all the things that the Roadcaster Pro is capable of doing. So basically, can you just plug your microphone into the Roadcaster, then plug into the computer? Is that how you're doing it? Or Yeah, that's how I plan to do it. Now, I might have to go through the 286 and then into the Roadcaster. Steven is doubtful, but Steven has the old Roadcaster, and this one is leaps and bounds technology above the old one. Not to say that it can still do the job on its own or not. I don't know. That's something that I'm going to find out. If I'm lucky, I will have it in place for when we podcast this weekend, but I'm not counting on it. Like I won't start if I, if, what, whatever we decide on a time to podcast on Dr. Strange, if I don't think I can get a good eight hours uninterrupted to work on the setup, then I'm not going to start until after we podcast. But I do want to start using the, when I'm editing the Doctor Strange show, I want to have the 34-inch monitor installed. So that means that whole audio rack on the right will go away, and I will have three monitors on the desk. That fourth one over to the side will still be there, but just to park things, but I won't actively use it. I'll actually probably be able to see it better, because I won't have that big, huge mound in the way yeah i i want to know how it works how well it works the roadcaster pro or the monitor yeah no yeah the roadcaster yeah just so you know it's like 700 dollars. that's why i want to know how well it works from all of what i've seen so far it's going to work great but we'll see i could have felt like i just wasted 700 dollars I didn't want anything that was existing right now. The, the original Roadcaster Pro, there's Tascam has something called the Mixcast 4, and that is ripe with problems. The Zoom makes the PodTrack P8, and the L12 Live Track, which is what Steven really likes. I think he really likes it because like, it was his first mixer recorder, and he's just all in tune with it. He thinks it's all that. I know I'm missing one or two, but that is the category of the mixer recorders. And then none of them did remotely what I wanted it to do. I wanted better, cleaner preamps. I wanted combo input jacks that, you know, by combo jack, it can take either an XLR microphone cord or a quarter inch input, like say from the DBX286S natural output to go quarter inch versus whatever ah, i didn't deliver one of the videos to you oh well it's okay and then there's other things with it as well so once i heard what this roadcaster pro 2 had i'm like okay that is everything i wanted from the original okay second picture didn't send interesting try to send that again that should send and as you know, my equipment has started to fail. So I'm like, yeah, let's, uh, let's get something in place before it all completely falls apart. Yeah. Wow. Your computer's big. It's a mid tower. I used to have a, I don't know what it was called, like a, a small tower. So that one's big and yeah those fans in the front are 200 millimeter they're big boy fans wow the size different good lord so many cables yeah i know oh and i've ripped out a lot of cables already Let's see if i can find those pictures oh you have an old school desk for podcasting 
Yeah, this is a an executive banking desk from the 1950s. It's solid cherry. Oh my god, that must be a beast to move. It is. Takes everything I have, even though it's on sliders. Takes everything I have to move it. Yeah, you'll really be able to have that monitor there. I <laughs> tried to unbox it today, but then I was like, you know what? I don't want it to break while I'm waiting to install it. So, and with my nephew coming this weekend, I'm like, uh, no, not that he's that bad, but I just don't want to chance anything. Yeah, I can see why you would want to uh, replace that. It was state of the art for podcasting 10 years ago. It's what people called a Skyposaurus because, and we used it. You used it actually, because I was connecting to you guys on multiple Skype sessions and i was able to get multi-track on my end which the roadcaster pro still can't do but what's changed is that the way that we connect is better you know with Streamyard, and we're all multi-tracking or multi-ending you're recording your part yeah so that makes it better and i don't need the Skyposaurus, last time I used the Skyposaurus must have been four or five years ago, so I really don't need it. But I just sent you a short video of all the cables that I ripped out the first night. Dang. And yeah, this thing is still working without those. Wow. And then I took a video today of what's left back there. It's a rat's nest. And just imagine all those cables that you're seeing right now back there, in addition to some others that I've taken out already, when you see this next video. This will be an exclusive for you. I was saving this for the YouTube video. There we go, right there. I don't know how long else this will take to send. It'll probably take forever. So far, it's taken forever. I've been sending Michelle pictures of my setup and stuff in the chat, so in our text message chat. Yeah. So that's what that all is. Oh my God. Yeah. And that is with all those cables removed. That is what's currently back there. All those cables that you saw in those other pictures plus more. So what you saw in those first pictures was like the first batch that I took out. I took out a second and third batch. So what's left is like the fourth batch. It's a mess. So when I put everything together, it's going to have cable management. Wow. I'm quite frankly surprised anything worked. I did at one point in time make sure everything was routed correctly and I did my best at cable management, but it just unraveled. Now I know a little bit better about cable management and how to do it and how to do it correctly and and what works and what doesn't work basically. So I'll be able to clean that up. Will it look perfect? No, it won't, but it'll look a lot better than what you see there. If anything else, for the simple fact that there won't be that many cables. Well, that is definitely a plus. That's good. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2022.